Drinking Night. With a movie problem. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. And last night we watched Lord of War. Yeah. We're continuing our run of uplifting movies. <laughs> From the turn of the season. positive takes on human spirit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this one was from a different, you know, war period. Yeah. Yeah. Also really good. A really ambitious film. Like very, tried some very interesting, right from the get-go of the like opening sequence following the manufacture of a bullet and doing this kind of POV shot, uh, long POV shot of a, from the point of view of a bullet being manufactured going into a box, being like inspected and shipped to one military base for to another military base to a, you know, war torn country to, you know, being poured out on the street where these you know guys fighting in the street are loading it into the gun to now looking down the POV of the barrel at the various people it's being pointed at and then finally being fired and hitting a child soldier in the head and killing him. And it's like that that just this really ambitious sequence um, that really encapsulates a lot about this movie, both in terms of like what it's trying to do, mm. what it's trying to say, how uh, forward leaning and risk taking it wants to be in terms of how it's going to say it um, and its general, you know, optimism about the human spirit. <laughs> yeah, optimism, <laughs> optimism about the human propensity for a ungodly amount of violence. Yeah. It's so cynical. I love it. <laughs> this is a whole movie. I've loved this movie. I just, I love how it ends. I love how it begins. I love the quotes. I love the moments. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible movie, but it's just got such a like sarcastic cynicism. I, I wouldn't say it was terrible. I thought it was really good. I thought it was very entertaining. I, it definitely did have these moments, especially early on, that were kind of like, and then this happened, and then that happened, and then this happened, and then that happened, and you're not getting... It feels more like a monologue than mm. like a story for a, a good chunk of it. Yeah. But, but, there's a very strong narrator to it, but it's interesting in that it's not an unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. Like... Actually, would you call Nicolas Cage an unreliable narrator in this movie? I don't think so. They don't give you the sense that he might be lying to you. They give you the sense that this is, yeah. you know, it almost feels more like an internal monologue. It's not like, listen to my story. I'm going to tell it to you, dear listener. And then they, they, you know, creep some things in there that make it seem like he might not, he might be lying to you. Also, he's showing his warts. Like, it's his fault his brother dies and he's, he's not, he's not That's making not any bones about, about no. that. Um, so... Spoiler alert, plot summary for, for those of you who haven't seen. Yeah, for those of you who haven't seen this film. Um, so Yuri, uh, played by Nicolas Cage, is a Ukrainian uh, immigrant from, you know, from the Soviet Union. Uh, but. Uh, oh, yeah. right. Because Ukraine was a part of the Soviet yes, Union. Yes. And, and he, he comes to the United States while the Soviet Union is a thing. Um, but he, he lives in a rough neighborhood. Um, he eventually finds his way into selling guns. He like sells in a couple Uzis to a, a few neighborhood gangsters. It's like his first sale. Um, and from there, um, he just kind of works his way up selling guns um, and participates in one of the biggest humanitarian tragedies of the 20th century when the Soviet Union collapses and all of the guns that they had stockpiled just sitting around for the Cold War, you know, in case the Cold War ever became hot, suddenly 
A lot of them start disappearing. A lot of them start getting, finding their way into war-torn countries. Hold, hold, hold yeah. up, hold up, hold up. Are you suggesting that there is some corruption in the post-Soviet military <laughs> ranks? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am very much so. But only a little. <laughs> but yeah, so like this flood of AK-47s and, you know, military, high-tech military hardware or high-tech for the time or, you know, military hardware that suddenly winds its, you know, finds its ways into the hands of people, you know, of, you know, pocket dictators all around the world fighting their civil wars, committing atrocities against their own people. And Yuri rides that wave to a multi-million dollar empire. Yes. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many good moments. And it's it's interesting, his relationship with guns and the whole movie. And this is another rabbit hole. Maybe we'll go down this. But like it there's something so distinctly 1998 to 2008 for this film. And I think this yeah. film was like released in 2005. Mm -hmm. But it's just mm -hmm. the cinematography is like tinted and harsh and they're really playing with a lot of these like color filters. Yeah. You've got a whole two or three minute like acid trip sequence, which was like mm -hmm. very, very present in a lot of movies of that time. And thinking like, what's that old Danny Boyle film? Was it The Island? Where it's just like, it's just establishing that at this time, we're going to have a lot of movies with like really weird drug trips. Yeah. Like, a really attractive, like, I guess attractive women are a part of movies outside of like the late 90s, early 2000s. But like about drugs and the, mm -hmm. how drugs and the folly of humanity. There's just something so distinctly turn of the century about this movie. I wonder if it's also like this is a time period when so so the millennials in 1998 are, you know, what the oldest of them are like the early 80s. So like they're going to be like 14. They're not making movies yet. This is high gen. This is high gen Xers. Yeah. This is this is Gen Xers that are entering the and and that generation, which is very much known for its cynicism, kind of graduating out of the kind of I'm a teenager with a cr or I'm a guy in my early twenties with a crummy job cynicism of clerks and into the more existential cynicism about world events. It's also the blockbuster as a piece of media maturing into mm -hmm. deep cynicism. This is mm -hmm. the same time that you've got, um, what's that movie about? Oh, I'm totally blanking. Um, crash. It's around uh, the same time as like Crash, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like you've got the blockbuster initially established. What was that? Was that Jurassic Park that jo kind of I established think Jaws? I it was Jaws, Jaws, yeah. Jaws establishing Jurassic, uh, the blockbuster. And it goes from being something that you take your Fun kids to a popcorn movie to like graduating into like people that are now expecting something people that's raised real on, people and raised, gritty. Yeah, people, people raised, raised on, on blockbuster. Yeah. Blockbusters like that are now making these gritty, real, hard-hitting... Blockbusters. Equally expensive blockbusters. Yeah, yeah. But they're not fun popcorn Indiana Jones. Do, 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 do. And we haven't hit, like, the Marvel Universe yet. And it's mm. instead this, like, interesting place before Marvel, but after Indiana Jones. Oh, uh, how weird is it that now that before Marvel is, like, a, a period? The pre-Marvel? The pre-Marvel era of movies. <laughs> and now we now live squarely in the post-Marvel. 
Is it really post-Marvel? Well, I just I, I guess Marvel, post yeah. the innovation of Marvel, I mean, or, or post the change that Marvel pushed onto the the movie making yeah. industry. I don't yeah, I don't know if we're I don't know if we're post I'm I think we're still I'm semi post Marvel. I only watch personally like half I'm of those things. But you know. But Disney is not post Marvel, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore the mouse isn't done making the movies and therefore you're not done watching them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh I again like I could just come back to like there was there was so much kind of ambitious shots and and like storytelling moments in the in this film like you know the that that like the time-lapse shot of the plane being stripped uh mm, overnight yeah or like you know just just these really interesting they they, they decided to do they were going to do more than just like tell this story of like you know scarface style uh, one man's rise to power and prominence in in, a, in an illicit trade, followed by his fall from grace. Uh, they were they they wanted to be like really like that story's been told, but they they wanted to try some interesting stuff with the filmmaking, and that was cool. Yeah, see. yeah, it absolutely is, and they, they just had so much fun with it, mm -hmm. and it's so messed up. And this is partially why I love this movie, even though it's a terrible movie. It's just it is fun. Mm -hmm. It is so much fun. It's a, it's a terrible subject matter. It's a very disjointed But it's catch narrative. me if you can if he's like leaving thousands of bodies in his wake. <laughs> yeah. And they did catch him, didn't you? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's your favorite part of the whole film, right? The, the ending where he does get caught um, only, here, I'll let you tell it. Oh, it's one of my favorite movie endings ever. It's it's Nicolas Cage gets caught and Ethan Hawke is just sitting there in between his the Before Sunrise movies, cop. just like waiting on... The law buying cop. He's the most rare kind of cop. And this is another, like, another little beautiful piece of cynical, like, in the middle of one of Nicolas Cage's monologues, he's like, Ethan Cop is one of the most rare kinds of cops. A cop that knows that I'm breaking the law, but is not willing to break the law himself to catch me. Mm -hmm. And so he finally does catch him at the tail end because his wife turns him in. Yep. And Ethan Hawke sits down and he's all happy because he finally caught his nemesis. Nicholas Cage is like, oh, yeah, take it in, take it in. Because um, what's going to happen is there's going to be a man who outranks you, who's going to walk through that door. He's going to pull you out, congratulate you on a job well done. And then he's going to turn to me and I'm going to walk out of here clean. Because you see there, what I do is I provide a service, and that service is providing guns to political powers. And these guns sometimes need delivering. You work for the president of the United States, and sometimes the president of the United States needs to get guns to people that he should not be giving guns to. And who can do that? I can do that. So I'm going to just step out of here and step into my limo and drive off into the sunset. And he's right. <laughs> At least he's right in terms of the narrative. I mean, no. it, it, I, I think you actually did some research and we're like, well, yeah, no, but he actually did go to jail. No, the guy, the guy, this is the guy this film is based on, Victor Bout, uh, who actually uh, was the guy that we traded to get Brittany Griner back from Russia recently. <laughs> but he was in jail for like 15 years. But I think I, I think he got arrested after this movie was made. 
Mm, Although I, uh, you need to, so we you, did you, eventually well, you, 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 you need to, you, you need to check me on that. Like, uh, I, I'd need to go back to, to, to See mighty when. Wikipedia to, to speak with confidence to that. But yeah, like, uh, that, that moment at the end where, um, where Yuri flashes that like, yeah, I run guns to all kinds of people. But sometimes those people include America's enemies and sometimes those people include the allies that America can't be seen supplying weapons to. And I and because of that, powerful people within your government are going to be protecting me. So you've got me, but I'm going to walk away from this. Uh, it's so cynical. It's so good. It's <laughs> such a good moment. It no. just makes me happy because it's just like it's a very, very real oh. ending to. And it didn't it, it, it just and not only didn't feel the need to give you a nice, yeah. happy bow tie ending, yeah. it like fully embraced how messed up it was. Yeah. Well, and it's perfectly set up as well, because th throughout Yuri's career, they never really show him running guns. They never show him running guns for the United States. Like he's he's delivering guns to dictators in Africa, particularly this Baptiste guy in uh, in Liberia. Uh, but. He's never like shown to be working for or with the American government. I think maybe early on he bribes one government, one American general, and then that general makes a reappearance later. But they, they really they they bury that one deep and that just such that when it surfaces at the end, it comes at us as a, as a total unsurprising surprise. Right. Like it's it. And it's really well done. The movie also was kind of exploring the new kind of arms dealer, where it was implying that the collapse of the Soviet Union completely destabilized the power players within gun running, and that allowed for Nicolas Cage's character to mm -hmm. rise to the top of this. Yeah. I don't know enough about gun running to speak to that, but that was a really interesting little bit of a bit yeah. of insight. It was interesting in how much of it was almost like a family soap opera among the drama that occurred within his own family. How mm. much of the movie was spent, even though it was about him running guns, it was also really just about him sabotaging his own life. Yeah, his a, brother in and out of rehab, his like wife, he's leading this double life and that eventually gets... It's interesting because his wife like... His wife knows like when she marries him, there's this speech he gives. She gives him about like, I know that you have this money and I don't know where it comes from. Just promise me that it will never interfere with, you know, Us. our life and our family. And I she won't said, ask questions. It's, it's, yeah. it's very like it's very like the opposite of um, Kate in The Godfather. Right. Like. Like. Yuri's wife in this movie is the kind of wife that Michael kind of or is almost falls short of being the kind of wife that Michael would have wanted because Michael want would want that kind of understanding of like, don't ask me about my business. You're never like you understand that I do things and you don't want to know about them and you accept that. And she. Kate never can like that's that that There's that's part of the conflict with, with, yeah. with, within, within the Godfather within the Godfather. Yeah. But. Yuri's wife can for a while until the Interpol guy shows up and like just puts it out on the table like these guns, you know, this is what your husband does for a living. He runs these guns. They kill people just like your parents died. You know, like he's delivering the kinds of guns that killed your parents. And, yeah. and that that's a breaking point for her. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there's, man, again, to these like really good moments. And then there's this great moment where she's taking their son to go to his mystery bunker. Yeah. And it's really nice because I think it's a really good use of suspense where you know what's in there. You know how this is going to unfold. It's not like you're following them and you're like, what's going to happen? It's like, you know what is going to unfold, but it's still really fun to watch it happen. But another this is the cart that serves as his business office, like the, uh, yeah, the storage the unit. Yeah, the storage unit. And so you're watching them prepare and get ready to go there. And there's also a little narrative bit where you hear Yuri explaining, like, and then she discovered my bunker, which, according to the files written up on it, was, like, the greatest... Oh, yeah. Like a, a, a symphony of murder or something yeah. like that, which is basically just his office with all of his fake paperwork, a bunch of the guns that he's like run or hanging his on the passports. wall, uh, his fake and passports. what was set up earlier, which is really nice, is the painting that her first painting, which she sold, which so not only does she discover all the guns, she discovers all of his passports and then she discovers the painting. And the painting was after her failed modeling career and her failed acting career, she decided she tried to be an artist and she, she she sold her first painting to an anonymous millionaire who bought it for a lot of money. And it was it was him. So it was like it's another thing that he's lying to her about. Yeah. See, the, the, but it was interesting that that you got that little bit of narration as they're driving to that just yeah. kind of like really building up. Mm-hmm. It's not the suspense because you know what's in there, but it's the suspense of what their react what her reaction is going to be. And I almost feel like you didn't get a. Uh, as I would have appreciated more of a payoff from her reaction to all of yeah. that. You never actually got to see her face through all of this. Because it, it was, was yeah. all just a con- bunch of constructed, and it wasn't done in a wide either. It was a whole bunch of constructed shots because it was very claustrophobic, yeah. narrow space storage unit. So I think it was a really great moment, but I do think that that could have been executed or mm-hmm. shot and edited a little bit more effectively. Um, yeah. The moment I, moments I thought were excellent in their execution, um, when Yuri goes upstairs and finds the uh, toy cap gun in his kid's room, and like, you've got this guy that's got his multi-million dollar gun running empire, and who ostensibly puts this wall up within himself of like, yes, I will sell guns to the the Hootsies, even though the Hutus, even though I know they're about to just take them off my hands and murder the, the Tutsis with them. That's not my problem. The gun people will get guns regardless. And, guns and honestly, don't kill yeah, people. yeah, this is this is I I am not the I I am not the conflicts I supply, which is a really weird like line to draw within himself, but he does like he does. It's like the 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 Horrible version of the Night's Watch, right? We take no part. Like, <laughs> like he, 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 but at the same time, he finds this cap gun in his sleeping son's bedroom and your next shot is him throwing that away. And it, it's so well shot. It's so, it, it's, it's, it's such a, such a well done unspoken moment that communicates the kind of the, the moral ambiguity of this character that like is doing all this horrible stuff but also like is uncomfortable with the idea of his son playing with toy guns. Maybe because of what he's seen. Yeah. It's, and I think that actually comes back too. doesn't Ethan yeah. Hawke discover that later and is able to target him. Maybe it's because it has no, his fingerprints on it. No, no. It, it's just what, what Ethan Hawke gets out of that. He's ripping, he's going through the garbage and he, they find the gun, but, mm, and underneath but, the gun, they but find they, they the find, yeah, they find, they find the shredded documents that they reassemble. But there is a moment where like 
one of the guys lifts the gun out of the bag of trash uh, or the toy gun out of the bag of trash. And, it, and you know, they do give a nod to that moment. The movie is so good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Jared Leto is fantastically tragic. Yeah. He plays a good junkie. <laughs> I like the moment when he's like, look, I made you crane. I'm going to... I'm oh, God, go I drew home. Ukraine with the cocaine. I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to go to Odessa and then I'm going to go to Kiev. You're going to mm. die before you get to Kiev. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 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 Yuri's relationship with his brother is really interesting. This kind of like. Relationship of Yuri both really needs his brother but that need also the way in which he needs his brother is actively destroy is actively a part of what destroys his brother. Mm-hmm. Like, like they go into this gun running business together, together, despite the fact that his brother, his brother actually has this like self-awareness early on of like, he put a, puts a, they, there's this little dialogue about a beware of dog sign that he hangs up in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And, the, and and Yuri's like, why is there a beware of dog sign in here? And he's like, well, I need to beware of the dog inside of myself. It's a reminder to me. Like there's the part of me that just wants to like bite all the other dogs and, and have sex with the dogs that I don't bite and maybe bite those ones too. Like, like, and, 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 and Yuri is like, well, maybe that's like the best and strongest part of you. That's part of your nature. You know, maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should be the dog. And it's like, and then there's this, but I'm worried that's all I am. Um, and Yuri kind of like needs him. He needs his brother, but needs Jared Leto to like embrace that dog side of his personality and to be, that's, that's what Yuri needs. And Yuri takes that from him and enables that even even the, even though it like destroys, destroys Jared Leto completely. repeatedly, both in terms of the drug addiction in the beginning as well yeah. as getting him shot at the tail end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one that, time that he was a really interesting like seeing Jared Leto just continuing to pop up with girlfriend of the month or girlfriend of the evening. You know, this like deeply unstable character. Yeah, and there was a good moment when he's going back to rehab for the second time, and he's like, "Hey, Chris." Yeah. Yeah. Again, these moments that are like he he recognizes the people he now knows on a first name basis with the guys in rehab. Also, like, again, things that communicate. Moments that communicate things about Yuri's character, he's bringing his brother to rehab, but he also is giving him a bump of cocaine before he goes in. Like and that that becomes a part of their routine of like that's the bribe for going to rehab is Yuri gives you one last bump of cocaine in the car. Uh, I'm yeah yeah I'm glad this movie was more about gun running than drug running Hmm. 